When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 109. And after finally getting some sleep after a trip to Las Vegas, I can say you can listen to us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Feel free to like and subscribe there. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a rating, a review, all of those nice things. If you want to do so and follow us on your favorite social channels, whether it is Twitter at Juventus Nation is there on the Instagram B-W-R-A-O underscore S-B-N, which uh, had some pretty fun things posted from our Vegas trip, which we will talk about in due time here on this week's episode. So let me bring in the full crew here of Sam LaPresti. Hello, Sam. You know, you're you're all get you're get we're getting all set to talk about fun things and then unfun things happen. Yes, to quote somebody who I will introduce here in a minute, we got to be happy for less than a week. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, hey, uh, you're not quoting me, I suppose. So uh, no, it's, it's the I, guy uh, after you. Uh, oh man, yeah, nice, nice. No, I uh, I don't think so highly of myself to think that people actually quote me. So just for the record. We've got my uh, travel buddy, Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here. Uh, happy to, to be on the pod. Uh, Vegas is, is a tough city to come down for. Uh, it feels like I need, like, I don't know, a week vacation from that vacation, but it was a very fun trip, very enjoyable <laughs> trip. My fiance says the same thing, by the way, about Vegas. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a three-day town. That's yeah. it. Three days. Yeah, Anything yeah. More she than says that. the same thing too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anything more than that is just tough. How did you manage to get all the stuff home? Uh bought a roller suitcase. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. All right. Well, as I said, we'll talk Vegas in a minute here, but unfortunately we've got other things to talk about first. But before all that, since the games are back, we will bring back the takeaways. So Sergio, what's your takeaway from the week that was? Does it have to do with Las Vegas? Yes, and and with what you just quoted, um, yeah, we got to be happy. I was counting less than seventy-two hours, so that's <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> My takeaway was actually going to be Paul Pogba really looks like the old Paul Pogba. 
which would have been a great takeaway if we had recorded yesterday. But alas, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'd say it's tough. It's tough because the buys were really high after that friendly. You know, we probably said it in the in the press box like a thousand times. Like, yes, I know it's Chivas, but and and you know the buys were really high. Like the team was looking really good. It was looking really different. And now, and a large part of that had to do with Paul Pogba. And now, well, we we don't know how that's gonna play out. So that's my biggest takeaway. Just you know, this team continues to make it hard to root for them, even in the best of circumstances. All right, Sam, what you got? You're the you're the other one amongst the, the four of us that watched it. So uh, what's yes. your takeaway? Uh, my takeaway in between my wife jabbing me in the ribs to keep me awake for the, uh, <laughs> the game because it was on <laughs> at 11 o'clock my time and I had already been up for hours and hours to uh, at my for my day job. Um, my takeaway was Nicola Fagioli. And uh, I don't think that there is, uh, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm guessing that, a, that at least one of you was probably thinking that that was going to be my takeaway. But no, but he was damn good. He was damn good. I kind of wished that, that, uh, that somebody had kept actual stats for a preseason friendly like that, uh, because I would be really interested in knowing what his stat, what his, his passing stats were. And that, that shot that he hit when he caught Chivas' keeper out and like shaved a couple of layers of paint off the post with it. Like, damn, that was, I mean, the vision to see it and then to just launch this missile towards the goal from halfway that came so damn close. You know, he, you know, I've been saying all off season, this kid is ready. Keep him in, let him go, let him work. And that performance again, was it a friendly? Yes. Was it Chivas? Yes. But I think that performance is exhibit A for my argument in that he is he he is ready to really to, to be a, 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 a big piece of this team, I think, if you let him have it. And somebody was saying this to me, uh, saying this on, on the WhatsApp of uh, Juventus Club Empire State just a second ago. You know, Pogba's second year, he was really able to break out because Claudio Nicizio got hurt in the in the Supercopa back when they still played the Supercopa as the first game of the year like you ought to and you know who knows i mean maybe what maybe what the silver lining here is that somebody like Fagioli or Miretti or uh or somebody like that can can t- use this as an opportunity to actually establish themselves in the team all right chucks what you got uh, like I said, the uh, the game, or like I said, in the, before we started recording, rather, um, the game was a little past my bedtime, so uh, <laughs> I uh, did not catch it live. Old, old man. <laughs> old man, Chuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, no, no country for old men, as a wise man once said, uh, <laughs> or a wise movie once went. Uh, pretty good movie, by the way. But bizarre ending, but um, yeah. <laughs> but, no, in terms of uh, my takeaway, it's more of a kind of a larger takeaway regarding preseason tours those uh, you know all these foreign preseason tours in australia thailand u.s etc cetera, etc cetera. i used to dislike them quite a bit um i used to think oh you know we're jetting all these players all over the world just to get some money for you know yeah just commercial money from uh, sponsors in the u.s and thailand and so on and so forth which they are yeah yeah of course of course which you know <laughs> again i as i've gotten older i've kind of I mean, I understand the need for it anyway, let's just say. And as I've understood football more, football finances more, I understand the need for it more. But um, yeah, so, you know, I used to dislike them, but now I've I've really come to appreciate them more just because, as I'm sure you and Sergio noticed, just the atmosphere around, you know, preseason or like these kinds of tours are just, you know, fun. Um, they're just people that generally, otherwise, we just never get to see their teams, uh, their European teams uh, play. Uh, live get to just see them in and not only see them live but just get to see them in just a fun stress-free environment um you know obviously it's not competitive so there's no you know one refereeing decision that will decide i don't know millions of euros tens of millions of euros worth of prize money so it's it's uh i think especially as the stakes have gotten higher and higher and higher in, you know, Champions League and, and just in club football and even in international football too. I think 
these types of preseason tours um, in you know other countries are actually just a kind of a much needed stress-free fun zone where people can yeah genuinely enjoy football watching it and just enjoy the atmosphere where you know fans aren't gonna like beat each other up if, uh, if the club uh if one of them loses and yeah yeah i mean you know you, the players are more relaxed they you know i'm guessing they hung, hang around more for like autographs and like photos and i don't know so yeah i uh just come to appreciate that so you know and like i said i'm sure you guys enjoyed it too yes we did and we'll we'll get to that unfortunately that is not our lead which if we recorded on our normal sunday that would have been our lead but uh with the with the news coming out here on monday that paul pogba has some sort of meniscus tear we don't know the severity and the necessity for surgery as of yet uh which hasn't necessarily stopped the Italian media from speculating. I think Tutto Sport has already reported that Pogba needs surgery, even though he hasn't actually undergone the scans to see if he needs surgery as of time yes. of recording. So, so has Fabiana Della Valle yeah. um, Gazetta as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it's a wide range of if Pogba is going to be out a couple of weeks or if he might be out a couple of months at this point. So uh, I, I'm one to wait until the actual official medical statement is put out by the club. But either way, it looks like Pogba's status for at least the first game or two of the Serie A season is now a giant question mark. And of course, it has to be the guy who has a lengthy medical history the last couple of years that gets hurt after the first preseason friendly, doesn't it? The, the guy that has a lengthy injury history <laughs> the last couple of years that we just spent a metric ton of money on, you know, and is being counted on to be the centerpiece of, of this next phase. And as soon as I heard it, I just got the, I got in my head the vision of, uh, Lord of the Rings, the two towers and the battle of Helm's deep. When the old dude can't hold his bowstring anymore, he lets the arrow go. He kills the Orokai and then King Theoden's just like, so it begins. Cause that's just, it, it just feels like, you know, what's the thing that we've been saying over and over again, the last couple of weeks when talking about the potential outlook for this season for Juventus, if Paul Pogba stays healthy and now look at it. <laughs> he's he's out and and if we are looking at the if the Italian media isn't jumping the gun and we're looking at a at a serious thing where he's having going to have surgery and he's going to be out you know the you know if you google the the term that that people are throwing around with that meniscus tear that's a 6 to 8 week that's a 6 to 8 week recovery time in a normal season that actually wouldn't be like the most terrible thing because Serie A always starts so late. And you'd, and you'd usually have an international break in there as well. Yeah, that too. And But now, with the season starting so early because of the World Cup this year, and, you know, that's a that's a significant chunk of game that he's going to miss. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a rough way to start the year. Yeah, I mean, you know, like Sam said, we uh, unfortunately saw it coming. I, I think, you know, I'll go back to kind of what I said earlier with or earlier, I guess a few episodes ago, uh, before Pogba was confirmed to be uh, to be joining Juve, I said, you know, look, in principle, I mean, I have nothing against him joining the team. Obviously, I think he's a good addition to the team, and obviously, free transfer. My thing was just, given his injury risk, I would be more comfortable giving him a lower salary. Just, yeah, I mean, just to mitigate for that risk. Yeah, I mean, you know, he can join the team and all well and good, but if he's if there's such a high probability that he's going to be injured frequently, then I mean, does that justify like a, uh, well, I forget what his actual salary ended up being, but does that justify, you know, his, I think it was something like seven or eight, so I want to say seven or eight million net, so I want to say, but yeah, I mean, does that justify that, you know? So I, yeah, I mean, I don't think so. And, and yeah, then, so then it's the meniscus um, injury. So to me, the question is, is this, was this an impact injury or was this kind of like a, you know, was this an injury that kind of flared up like over time? And, you know, if, the, if it was an injury that kind of was lying, like underlying and then flared up during, during this game, then you have to wonder, you know, was this, was this something that should, could have so slash should have been picked up uh, during a medical 
I mean, I would hope so, you know, that it, that it would be picked up. And if it was an impact injury, well, okay, well, I mean, that's unlucky, obviously, but that's kind of just my, that was my first reaction. Like, hmm, okay, if this was so soon after he signed and quite literally the first game <laughs> that he, first 45 minutes well, that he played. It, it happened in training. The day oh, after okay. day after Las Vegas game, it doesn't seem like there's a general idea, at least from what I've read, of how it happened. It was just that he was doing something in training. He felt the pain in his knee. And then the initial feeling was, and this is something that, you know, Romeo Agresti and a few others said, is that at first it's like, okay, let's just give him a couple of days off, maybe hold him out of the Barcelona friendly, and then we'll see how it is. But I think after 24 hours or so, they tried to see how the knee would respond to some treatment um it sounded like he did some kind of rehab in the swimming pool or at the hotel or whatever and he didn't obviously didn't respond well to it because now it's hey we need to take him into scans which originally they weren't thinking would be needed and then all of a sudden it's like hey he's got he's got at least some sort of tear in his meniscus which now has caused them to be like well we need to take him to a specialist to see if he needs surgery which obviously is far from what the original thought process was and why are why we're now here talking about Paul Pogba potentially missing the first two months of the season. Yeah, so I, I, I guess I'd, I thought that it happened during the game and then it flared up during the training and, you know, but um, yeah, if it happened during training, yeah, indeed. I mean, if that's, yeah, if it does, if it does require injury or a surgery, then yeah, six to eight weeks. I mean, part of me is kind of grateful that at least it happened like, bang at the start of preseason that that is the only mm-hmm. saving grace is that it yeah. happened on you know the the third week of july rather than say right at the beginning of the season obviously you don't want it to happen anytime but at least for right now it's uh it, it's happening when it is because we've got this what another three weeks or so before the season actually starts yeah so you you have some leeway there a little bit of a cushion in in the sense of you know, he could, if the injury turns out to be minor, because like, like, like you guys said, like the, you know, the, the prognosis right now is very much, you know, fake Twitter doctor going like, yeah, it could be anything between like two <laughs> weeks and eight months. And it's like, cool. That tells me nothing. So um, if it turns out to be in the, you know, shorter spectrum of that, and it's only a couple weeks or something, then, then you can say, you know, bullet bullet dodged and he should be ready to go. But it is very worrying, especially like, like you guys said, like the one big question about the signing was, can he stay healthy? And it is really, really such a bummer that after the first time we see him back in, in, in a Juve kit, uh, he looks very effective in a preseason match and he's back, he's down again. And like, like Chuck said, like, it seems like an injury thing, like just in training probably not even a thing that he was carrying before signing, just, just a thing that happens when, you know, you're essentially working out that every day of, of the year, I mean, that is bound to happen. And it, it's unfortunate that, that it happened to him, but we can still hold some sliver of hope in, in the sense that maybe it's not that long and it maybe, you know, doesn't cost him a lot of games for, for Juve, because as we saw in, in, in the preseason game, I think his, his impact there is, is, is just, you know, really, really huge is, is something that Juventus hasn't had in a long while. And you could immediately tell what he brings to, to the field when he's on, when he's in form. And that was his very first game playing with his new teammates, right? So you have to assume that with more time and, and as Allegra figures out what he wants to do with the team, he was only going to get better and more accustomed to the game and more accustomed to, to his teammates. And considering that his first showing was already pretty impressive, uh, this is just a, a pretty big bummer, all things considered. Now, assuming that Pogba is out for, say, six or eight weeks, put your Max Allegri hat on or buzz your head like Max Allegri for a second here. How would you like to see Paul Pogba's spot in the starting lineup, assuming that it is going to be that left center mid spot taken? I mean, should it be just a natural, say, Weston McKinney in for Paul Pogba or... Or are you going to be like Sam Lepressi likely will be throw the wild card in there and be like, yeah, put, put one of the kids there and, uh, and see what happens. Or the least inspiring choice of them all, Adrian Rabio. 
Probably. <laughs> no, that's that's what I'm saying. If Adrian Rabio is still on the team, because we've seen a flurry of rumors the last day or two about his mother, his his mother agent trying to engineer a return to PSG. God knows what that's gonna, you know. I mean, I figured she burned all her bridges there, I guess, because it's a new regime. Uh, in terms of the front office there, she thinks something can be can work out. But also the the idea of a swap, you know, there's there's the idea of a swap between PSG and Juve of Rabio and Paredes. But if Rabio is on the team, it's gonna be Rabio. Our beloved Adrian Rabio, just when you think he's gone because he's training with the under 23 squad. Yeah, right. He's back in the picture. He's back in the, you know. I mean, you you took the words out of my mouth, Danny. That's what I'd do. <laughs> but I am when it comes to the when it comes to the 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 youth team midfielders like this, I I take Sergio's spot as the agent of chaos. Uh, but <laughs> if Romero is on it, Romero, you're Romero. Romero. If Sergio Rabio, Romero, <laughs> Sergio Romero on the squad, you got called if, up, buddy. If, if, the Freudian slip. I'll, I'll try it. I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. <laughs> if Romeo is on the team at the, the, um, for the first game of the season. I, I don't see how it's not going to be yet. I, I just don't. Yeah, I, I think, I'm actually, surprisingly, uh, I think I would see Allegri play, playing McKinney, actually. Um, I think probably the more conservative option is Rabio, uh, and Allegri tends to be more conservative. What? Um, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> However, I, I think the difference is here just that McKinney has had, you know, has, has now had way more time to be with the team. And, like, you know, when he was just fresh, freshly signed with the team okay then it was kind of like uh, you know are you gonna play him straight away like no you don't really know him yet or, or uh, Allegri maybe didn't you know quite trust him yet then but I think now that he's had another full preseason and yeah been with the team longer has, has proven how good he is uh, when he's just fully fit and had a good amount of time to play with the team I think you know Allegri wouldn't see I don't think Allegri would see McKenney as like a radically risky option you know, I, I think he's at this point, he's a trusted like member of the squad. So I, um, yeah, actually, you know, I think, I think he might actually, yeah, put McKenny in, in there if, if Pogba again were out for an extended period of time. I think a lot of it depends on, I, I, I mentioned, you know, if Rabio is on the team, if something like that Paredes Rabio swap happens, or if Juve get Paredes another way because they seem to have been in on him for a while now, a lot of rumors about him this summer. Allegri is, does seem to be dead set on playing somebody as a traditional regista. And Paredes is about as close to that uh, as you would get, at which point McKenny gets, uh, not McKenny, uh, Locatelli gets kicked to the Metzala, probably on the right-hand side, which also has a, a domino effect there. Because if Paredes is not on the team, you're looking at Locatelli playing as the regista, and now you've got a floating thing on both flanking midfield spots. If Paredes is on the team, then Locatelli is locked in on one side of the Metz- uh, uh, as one of the two Metzale, and the other one then becomes a bit of a flux. And we haven't even talked about, I think, about, you know, Danny Sakaria, a dude that was or seemed at least like a very natural fit in that center mid position and hasn't played a minute there since he signed for Juventus. So it's, it's just, you know, it, the, the interesting part of, for me about this preseason was, or one of the most interesting parts at least, was seeing exactly how that midfield was going to shake up between all the supposed departures and the young guys and Paul Pogba and all that. And at least one member of that equation is probably gone at least for the preseason. So now it's 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 once again a scenario of coming into the season, and this is assuming you know he doesn't miss a lot of time. But even if he misses a few you know weeks, that 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 you know takes him off the board for the preseason is once again coming into this season not knowing who your starting eleven is going to be, and it just seems like a not always due to the coach or not always due to you know circumstances in their control. But it just continues to be a, a trend for Juventus the last few years in which you're starting the season and you don't really know who your starting 11 is. You don't really know what formation you're going to play. And, and, and that's just 
you know, that that's never a formula for a successful season. Not saying that, you know, that dooms the season from the get-go. Of course not. But it, it it's it's not great when you start a year and you're not, you don't really have a clear picture of how you're going to play. And with, with Pogba's injury, I think, you know, and so many moving pieces about who leaves and who stays and who comes on, it, it feels like we're going to be in a similar situation again. And that's just... You know, that's probably something that they wanted to avoid. And it seems like history is going to be repeating itself there. And then, you know, just one final comment on kind of the, you know, Pogba situation. Yes, yeah, I made a good point just of, you know, this very, I mean, potential, but it is the obviously not, nothing uh, concrete coming out of there yet. But, you know, just very, very early days on that. But just on a general point of like, you know, you have a three man central midfield and, from I mean my experience anyway ideally you want you know a passer and like one more creative person and then one that's kind of more of a destroyer slash does the dirty work um I think with you know if Pogba is out injured I think you're gonna lose that kind of creative piece so yeah you try and think of like okay who can replace that if you then like, I was just thinking of the hypothetical scenario of, of, of Paredes. So Paredes is, I mean, I haven't watched him very much, but, you know, sounds like he's more of a regista. And then if that happens, then with Locatelli, then kind of move, being moved up front. Um, so now trying to think, okay, what's kind of the missing piece there? And, you know, again, I mean, I'd said McKenny, but I mean, looking at a situation like that with like a Paredes or like a regista slash Locatelli, then who would, fill up that third spot i think actually zakaria like like sergio said he would kind of do that yeah that dirty work yeah that kind of destroyer dirty work but can join can make that late run into a box as well and then locatelli kind of just you know yeah sprays passes uh passes around the pitch and, and creates a little bit more as well but um yeah i think it just all dep- depends on that yeah that balance of the midfield of you know the creator destroyer and kind of passer as well so um yeah. Well, uh... If you're going to do that, like Sergio said, why not just have Zakaria playing in front of the defense and destroy people there? Yeah. So that you can have your your more cre- both of your more creative guys push up a little further, which is is his best place. Like Sergio's been saying since Zakaria got here, he's not a box-to-box midfielder. He's a defensive guy. I know a couple of people who who disagree, who were disagreeing with me about that very subject this week because you know well look at the goal he scored on his debut but like that's you know that's not typical of him and the box yeah. to box is not he he can play box to box it's not the best use of him it's not his best place so if you're if you're going to use Zecharia I, I like I wrote in my piece about the midfield uh, that went up on Thursday just have him play in front of the defense and have him destroy dudes and have somebody a little more creative go forward. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right. Well, speaking of formations and all that, we got our first little glimpse of formations as Juventus took the field at Allegiant Stadium with Sergio and I up way up in the rafters in the press box to to watch as credentialed members of the media. And besides the obvious fact of that, we were totally geeking out when Simone Padouin walked past us in the mix zone after the game. I think it's safe <laughs> to say that seeing how Juventus's formation morphed from high up above was pretty, pretty interesting, especially with the now added bonus of Angel Di Maria being around. So I guess I'll throw it to the very obvious person in Sergio. What were your thoughts about how Juventus looked 
besides Paul Pogba? And how do you think, even with now this injury news, things can kind of progress from here as Juventus goes on to play Barcelona and Real Madrid before they're uh, before they're heading back to Italy? Yeah, it's you know, to me that there were two guys that really stood out for me in that game, and that was the aforementioned Paul Pogba, and we already talked about enough about him and of course Marco De Graca the man of the match uh, who, <laughs> who, the guy the guy who looked totally shocked to be the man of the match who was probably even more confused than anyone that they were awarding him a fake man of the match uh you know award that they didn't even have a trophy <laughs> did you notice that like they gave him a, a game ball and then he gave it back like there was no trophy like at least they give you something like in Serie A they give you like a little touch key like a plastic thing like here they didn't even give him that but uh poor Marco Zagraka he did score the first goal of US preseason so that's that uh but no obviously the 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 other guy and the the should have been man of the match for anyone that was actually paying attention uh was Angel Di Maria who you know to me they both looked just exactly what they needed like in that game in that moment again caveat caveat it was Chivas and it was Chivas stops at that but they look kind of exactly what Juventus hoped they would be. Like both of them looked immediately like the best case scenario for what we expect them to be. And that was Angel Di Maria making his very best, you know, seven years ago, Angel Di Maria impression, just dribbling past dudes, just being really aggressive. Pretty much every time he had the ball, he was generating something. He took every corner kick and and most of them were actually fairly well-placed corner kicks. There was this one instance on, on, you know, he was on the right wing and he got cornered by three Chivas defenders. And with one little thing, like almost, you know, inconceivably easy, he shook them all off and, and, and unleashed a cross. Like he was exactly the type of winger we just haven't had. And I would ha- I would go even so far as to say that, you know, not even Kiesa, because I think Kiesa is a lot more physical. He's, he relies a lot more on, on, on strength and, and will sometimes and speed. You know, Di Maria, he just, he's just that better and wildly better guy that has all the tricks in his bag, and he was just showing it off. Like, he was as good as you could have expected him to be, and it really, you know, it, it made, suddenly it made the whole signing make sense. It really, with Paul Pogba making runs, finding spaces, uh, shooting from outside of the box, which, we again, we just haven't seen anyone do that in, like, two, three years you know, consistently enough, uh, probably other than pa- Paulo Dybala, who was no longer there, but any midfielder trying, you know, outside of the box shots, like that was another great thing. Uh, it, it just really looked like the, the shot in the arm this team needed, just a lot of din- dynamism, just just really, really good stuff from, from both of them. And, you know, it really lent credence to that. We're going to go all in on the 4-3-3 formation. And it made sense. I, I even thought, uh, Moiskin missed the sitter, which, you know, at that at this point, it's it's Moiskin. What what the hell? But, you know, he did look lo- lively. He did look like he was finding space. Like, he, he looked much more confident, I thought. You know, there's not all that much that you can glean from a friendly necessarily, but it felt like a team that just at least had found some sort of identity, more of an idea of what they wanted to do, and were actually doing a lot of stuff that we've been trying and asking this team to do. So, you know, to me, I think if Juventus, and this was, you know, not still not fully the starters. Uh, Bonucci was not there. Uh, obviously, Dusan Blachowicz was not there. Um, probably Weston McKinney, if the season started now, would probably start, you know, above Nicolo Fagioli, even though Fagioli looked good. But that was as close strength of a team as we're going to see. And they looked fairly solid, fairly like a team that had an idea of what they wanted to do and a way of doing that, that concept, that formation. Like it just made a lot more sense than I was expecting them to, at least in the first half. The second half, I mean, they just stopped absolutely everyone out. And it was more about seeing, you know, particular players, whether or not they looked comfortable. But it, it was a fairly impressive first half, just in the sense that they looked like a team that knew what to do when they were both defense and offense. And that was fairly encouraging to see so early in the, in the preseason. So if, if you asked me to go back to the original question, what formation I think they should be using, I think that 4-3-3 suddenly looks a lot more 
are logical and manageable, especially if you don't miss Paul Pogba for a long time. And whenever Federico Chiesa comes back, I think with the current personnel you have, now it makes a lot of sense to go all in in, in that formation. Yeah, I agree. I think the other the other thing about about that first half that was that that really stood out to me. And, you know, again, with all the caveats of, you know, you're playing Chivas, you're playing Chiva, a lot of Chivas's reserves because Chivas don't want to, you know, risk a lot of their starters when their league is already started. They had a game um, two days before going to Las Vegas. Yeah, that was, uh, um, <laughs> days. uh, but, um, the way that you've impressed in the first half was a pleasant surprise to me. They were all over the field and put pressing the ball carrier, forcing mistakes, regaining possession in advantageous areas of the field. And it was the kind of, you know, it, it was the, the antithesis of the hang back and hold on for dear life that we have seen out of Max Allegri and kind of come to assume is his norm. Um, and if you come out with a press like that, then I think that there will be a lot that things can be a lot different, but you know, it remains to be seen whether or not he's going to employ that consistently and against big teams tomorrow's game will probably be an an interesting, a a very interesting piece because if he's going to press the way that he presses, because I watched a little bit of the Barca Real Madrid game uh, on a re on a rerun the other day, and Xavi's guys were pressing like crazy too. He's engineered a, a really nice press. You know, it was got one that the the Real Madrid midfielders he had uh, Camavinga in there and uh, and somebody else couldn't really deal with. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know, if he goes press versus press with Xavi, tests out how that goes, and and if that press continues, I kind of agree with Sergio. I would. There, there is a part of me that would still love to see, um, and obviously this isn't going to happen now. There, there's a part of me that would have loved to have seen a, uh, uh, an experiment with Pogba in the hole in a four-two-three-one. But the the way that this four-three-three looked, and the way that Allegri seems to have the team drilled in it so far this preseason, stick with that because. That's been my one. That's been one of my major gripes about Allegri for a long time, even before his first stint ended. Was that the team didn't really seem to have much of an identity anymore? They just kind of went out and played soccer for ninety minutes to see how they to see if they could score a goal or two and keep them out. But looking at them and seeing a real identity out of a out of a formation playing playing a, a press like that 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 would be huge for for this year to see a major improvement over, over last season. And, and it felt both, you know, like you said, drilled, like it really did feel like they are going, I don't know if all in, but they're definitely at least, you know, trying to bet more on the formation, but it, it was also, and again, this is soon to be the, the Angel Di Maria podcast, but there was, there was this one moment where, you know, they, they had a couple of quick passes then a long pass to Angel Di Maria to on, on the wing on, on a break on a quick break. And he just did this ballerina, you know, toe tap control, like in the air that if you think about it, like if you think about last year, it's like that's Federico Bernardeschi trying to, to get that to that ball. And look, <laughs> no, no disrespect to the, 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 the fans of the pod who like Federico Bernardeschi, but he is not making that reception. Like he's just not, he's not talented enough to do that. And Angel Di Maria are, is. Are you doubting the man who who marked his debut for Toronto FC with a goal and an assist? Yeah, that that's TFC's number <laughs> ten. You're talking about Sergio. <laughs> yeah, the, the powerhouse league known as the MLS. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, he, it just you know you, when you have a guy as talented, and I was talking with Danny about this. It's like you know I, the the football I watch live often is is Mexican league football and look I like it I have my team I root for it I enjoy it but you know when you see these guys play and what they can do and the way they process information and the skills they have and and just that those types of moments like there's not one player 
in the Mexican league who could do that, who could get to a ball like that and control it like that. And then immediately have the, the football IQ and the skills to immediately go for a break and generate a chance. There's not. And Juventus for a long, for, for the last couple of years, I think we're lacking in players like that. And when you finally get some, some, some quality back in the squad, we had a lot of, and I think we talked about a lot in the pod, we had a lot of, you know, B plus, B minus players. And you have to have a lot of those players. But when those guys are your starters, when those guys are getting a lot of minutes because of injuries or because of bad squad planning or whatever, you know, that's going to take a toll. I think now, you know, you have a lot more guys that just have a different skill set that can just pull off those type of things and that they're thriving when being put in those situations. So I, I think it's it's part, you know, that that influx of talent that, that came with Poco and Di Maria and, you know, a lot more of an identity. Like Sam said, it was just a drilled team who had a lot more of an idea what they wanted to do, both defensively and offensively, even though there were some shaky moments defensively, but I'm chalking that up more about uh, Federico Gatti playing his first preseason game with Juve and him being paired with Danilo as center backs, which was an, a, an odd combination that I don't, necessarily feel it's going to work out a whole bunch but it was kind of a weird setup there uh, so i'm not judging them a lot on that but it really did feel like a like a much more composed and, and drilled team that that what we're seeing uh in the in the last you know in the in the latter days of last season gatti did have a pretty good game individually there were you know those shaky moments one or two but overall i thought he did well yeah once he settled down he looked pretty good yeah, no, yeah. he, he as, a, as an individual, I agree. I think he played well. It was just as a unit, they had a couple, you know, freaky moments, uh, you know, nothing too bad, but it really did feel, yeah. I mean, it's the first preseason game, especially with Danilo, right. who is not really a center back, playing a center back. That was bound to happen. But, uh, but yeah, him individually, I agree. I think he did good. Yeah. Just to, just to, just to touch Sergio, I mean, like you said, that when it came to Di Maria, he reminded me a lot of Douglas Costa's first year with the team. And um, in that was what, 17, 18, when he came over from, uh, from Bayern Munich for the first year. And he, like, he put could up, handle like, the conditioning from it, the conditioning change from Germany. to Italy. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was, it was, uh, but um, <laughs> no, but, but oh, all jokes aside, you remember that, that year, because that was, you know, the year before, the the spitting incident and before all the injuries really started kind of hampering him. But th- there was that there, there was that first year where Costa was uh were, was just playing like a demon out on the wing and had that, you know, that that combination of speed and technique and that that really no one else has. It, it is the first time that I've seen wing play like that really since, I mean, like you said, Chiesa is, a, Chiesa obviously is brilliant on the wing, but he's a different kind of brilliant. You know, he'll, he'll make, he'll make a, a fun touch every once in a while. But like you said, he's, he's a guy that's just going to take on his man and go, as opposed to a guy who will like, you know, do a, a Paulo Dybala style dribble around a couple of guys and, and, and find his way through there. It, it was really, it, it, it very much reminded me of, of, of prime Douglas Costa. And, and that's a, that can't be a bad thing. One more thing on Di Maria real quick. And I think for me, and I mentioned it to Sergio as we were watching the first half, the way that he was making his movement, he he did a lot of, you know, he would start out wide and obviously cut in, but there are other moments where he, you know, as, as the team was building from the back, he would be coming out from basically behind the Graca in a way he'd, he'd be essentially playing off him. And I mean, it, it was interesting because they announced the lineup as a four, three, one, two, and we're like, is is Di Maria really going to be playing as a trecortista? But at times, it almost like he was. And you know, it, it's funny that we mentioned DiBala is that, you know, we we have we remember that tendency he had to, you know, he he'd be playing as a number ten, but he drift out wide so often that it, it was almost like he was playing as a winger at times. But Di Maria really was, you know, sometimes a number ten, sometimes playing as a winger, and I think that kind of element is something that will be interesting to watch going forward is how especially when Vlavic is in there how Allegri might be able to take advantage of that and and play off of that and obviously vary uh vary his formations whether it's an attacker and in defense so yeah I'm uh, I think coming out of this and obviously the the Pogba news today hurts quite a bit but seeing how 
Allegri is able to incorporate Di Maria's unique skill set because let's face it, nobody else within the squad has it. Um, is is going to be interesting to see as these first couple months of the season goes on because, as we said before, before he's going to be a dude who's want who's going to be wanting to fire be firing on all cylinders when he heads off to Qatar for the World Cup. So, I think uh, I think he he uh, caveats aside, being that it's Chivas, he he really impressed just the sheer skill that he showed that, uh, like we said, no, no, no real Juventus player can really replicate. And it just, uh, just to put a bow on it. Um, it, it reminds me of something, um, I've not mentioned this uh, gentleman in a long time, but something that, uh, Tim Vickery, uh, always mentioned. Frank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been a, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, Don't go so, start singing that. Don't go start yeah, singing. Yeah. I just wanted to, just wanted to plant that little, uh, you know, little earbug, uh, in the podcast, but, uh, but, um, it, it, something that Vickery said is that, you know, with the best players, you really want three things. You want speed of thought, speed of movement and speed of execution. And, uh, you know, Dima, yeah, I mean, he might not be as, you know, much of a speed demon as he used to be, but um, definitely just a speed of like execution, the speed of thought. You just see that like players that just know what they want to do the second they get the ball and don't like, you know, kind of half think about it, but like really do it. And that's, uh, yeah, that really separates, you know, the, uh, yeah, the world-class players from the uh, good players or, very good players. Now, before we get to Twitter questions, Sergio, do you want to flex about asking Juan Cuadrado a question in the mix zone or add anything else about your Las Vegas trip besides the, uh, <laughs> the, the struggles to get back home to Mexico city? Yeah, it was, it was really fun. It was really, really fun. Um, there was definitely a lot of uh, imposter syndrome while there, mostly because I was, you know, it, it just kind of felt fun for me to be around around there and, and when we were talking with with hunter after the game shout out hunter um he he made that comparison you were like actually writing like a like a game recap while we were watching the game and i was just like this is fun this is really fun and just getting like free <laughs> snacks and stuff so definitely a, a different approach in our journalistic integrity uh but yeah it, it helped a lot um when we after the game we were, got invited to the mix zone and they were only fielding questions in mostly the person's native language. So that was mostly Italian for a lot of the guys. Uh, and also Italian for Juan Cuadrado. He answered a few questions in Italian. And then they went over to our side of like the, the little, you know, mix sound thing and was like Spanish only questions. And I was like, okay, I guess here, here's my, my one shining moment. And yeah, we got we got to ask him a question. I got to say the whole thing of my name. I'm from, you know, SB Nation and whatnot. And then I was like, what the hell am I going to ask this guy? Because I, I just kind of <laughs> got there. And once I got there, I was like, okay, what is going to be my question? So just mad respect to, to all. To all what was the know, question? Journalists. So the question was a pretty generic thing about playing fullback. Um, and he gave me a pretty generic answer about playing fullback. <laughs> um, it, it was it was mostly like, "Hey, you used to play as a winger, and now you play as a fullback. What's up with that?" Um, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how he said it in Spanish, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was just pretty much like, "I'll do whatever they need me to do for the good of the team. I'm getting more comfortable in it." Like, like again, it was a pretty general response to a pretty general question. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's one gripe. I think as fans, you always have is like, oh man, how come these quotes are always so like boring and milk toast and whatever. And it's like, sometimes it's hard to come up with something, you know, really, you know, interesting to ask when you have one second to, to figure it out. And, you know, you're, you're, you know, in the middle of like five people trying to ask him something it's, it's tough, but it was a really fun experience. Um, we we got to we couldn't really ask any other questions. We tried. Wosh got a long-winded interview in Pol in Polish because there was like a Polish network TV there. And it, it was it was weird because we didn't know that. And the guy was just asking for everyone, like, I need what is Chesney. I'm I butchered his name, I know. But I was like, I need him. Like, can you get him for me? It's like, why is this guy so interested? <laughs> in interviewing the keeper, like no disrespect to, to Walsh, but it, it was weird that he was so interested in it. And then when they finally got him, like he started speaking Polish and I was like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. 
Um, so when that interview ended, we tried to sneak in a question in English and he completely just like waved us off. It was like, no, he left. Uh, so that was a bit of a bummer. Yeah, just in general, a really fun experience. Really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you to the Soccer Champions Tour for having us over. Hopefully they, they, they will have us, you know, next year or whenever they, they decide to make new games. We'd be really, you know, thrilled to go again. It was just a really cool experience. Yes, I believe the East Coast. Yeah, I, I was just about <laughs> to say, I believe Sam Lepresti has already put in an email request to the Soccer Champions Tour to uh, head to the New York, <laughs> New Jersey area. Yeah, because I think it's fair to say that Las Vegas, not a huge Juventus stronghold uh, in the sense of fans. We saw like maybe, I don't know, like 100 people wearing Juve kits in a 30,000 something audience. So I'm fairly sure we saw more Mexican national team kits than Juve kits. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think it's safe to say it was 85-15 at least in favor of Chivas fans, which at best, which I, I have to add, and I said it on Twitter during the game, it made for a pretty fun atmosphere, even though we are technically fans of the team that they were rooting against. So well, shout out to the, the Chivas fans. I will say that because I know it would pain a certain uh, Puebla FC fan to say shout out to Chivas fans. You know, I, I I don't hate Chivas fans. They're 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 okay with me, and then they did bring a great atmosphere. It was it, it really was because I mean they booed Juve and whatnot because they had to. But every time a, a Juve player would do like a nutmeg, or when Fagioli tried the the midfield shot, or when Di Maria you know dribbled past three dudes, like they would they would awe and, and hoot and holler and clap. And I mean it was like yeah, we want our team to win. But we also recognize we're seeing a lot of top-notch football being played, and we're just kind of, you know, happy to be here as well. So it, it was just a, a very fun atmosphere, a very fun, you know, fan experience in the in the stance at one dot. My one gripe, it, it is this, the merch uh, situation. Yes. Figure it out, Juve. Because that was, I mean, that was sad to see. It was just like the two kids and like a blind you know, a plain black t-shirt that had the logo. And that was pretty much that, like no merch. Like it was nothing cool. I was ready to give you my money, Juventus. And <laughs> it just didn't come through. So that's my one gripe. That's my one gripe. You want to get bigger in, in the US, get, get better merch. That goes a long way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll transition into the Twitter questions off of Sergio Romero's complaint box. Uh, so first question here from at Daniel Roy, 1995 fullback seems to be a major area of weakness on this roster. In fact, I'd argue it's our worst department. Who are some reasonable moves we could pull off to close the window? If any, at this point, there's really not much left. I mean, I know the one person we wanted was uh, Owen Vandal, but he signed for, uh, Ajax, I believe to replace Talia Fico who went to Lyon. So pff, I can't can't think of anyone off my heart, honestly. Um, I recently saw a, th th and this is interesting because it would also get, you know, we've been talking about this for a little bit about, you know, how do we get our tour off the books, right? Well, lo and behold, there was a Gianluca Di Marzio report today that said that Arsenal are apparently not the only team in for him anymore. Valencia is. Yes. Big as well. Arthur. And Valencia has Jose Gaia at left back, who is out of contract at the end of the season. Not a bad player. And if you want to throw a swap in our tour for somebody like Gaia and pad the fullback chart that way, especially at left back where Alexandro really does need a challenge. That's not, it wouldn't be a terrible move in my opinion. Obviously our tour is, is addition by subtraction at this point. But also to to add a player who's 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 pretty good, I, I I would like to you know he'd be an intriguing option in on that left flank, uh, and certainly would be would be decent competition for for Sandro to get to get minutes. I think uh, that would be a very interesting interesting scenario. Uh, we'll have to see how that plays out, but it, it's it's not a crazy idea, and it's not a bad one in my opinion. I mean, I guess just yeah on that, on that I was just thinking. Thinking about that because yeah, Jose Gaia, I guess he is a left back. 
I mean, I guess you would just hope that Bellini suddenly has like a breakout season, right? Like that would be like, I mean, that would be ideal. Yeah, that would be an ideal situation, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Can you hope on? Can you, you know? You also have to. You also have to pay. We have to pay special attention to Coney's Venter at uh, at Empoli this year on loan. Mm. All right, All right. Is he really a fullback, though? I think he can. I, I certainly think that he can be. I, I think that he's. I mean, he played. You know, he played out on the right in that Champions League game. I thought he did very well there. That's a ringing endorsement right there for Connie the Winter. I think. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm, I'm just no. Well, no. Between when you when, when you're talking about between center back and fullback, because he does do every he does do both. I I, I think he can be a qual. I think he can be quality at either position. It depends on where you where you want to put him. No, and I kid. I I, I thought he looked good that that one game as well, and I was actually surprised. And I, I wrote about it in one of the graph backs during the season that you know he did get hurt, uh, so that that kind of sapped a lot of momentum uh for him but I, I was still shocked that he you know he started that one game and then we didn't see him for one more minute the rest of the way especially at a position that you know i agree it's, it's our weakest uh it's our weakest group like when when you look at everyone like that's the, the place that you need the most help and like you guys said i don't really know where a lot of the possible reinforcements are coming from um destiny udoji i think is still on the table Maybe, but everything. Just, I think he stays you know, at Udinese. I think at this point he stayed stays at Udinese for another year because they've they've sold Molina. He's headed to Atletico, and I don't think they necessarily need to sell Udoji this year. Now I think they're going to wait another year, see if his is if his number goes up even higher, and and see how that works. And that's the, the smart move for them, probably. So Juve is once again. Just one minor injury away from uh, <laughs> having to get a minutes. So, well, good. I was really bummed not to see Matteo De Silva, though. That would have been funny. I did see Daniele Rugani, though. We did see him. Harder to call him crap at his face, though. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question here from Jordan Torrance at Mr. Press Press. Assuming half of the delict money was used to add Bremer, how would you like to see the remaining 40 million euros roughly used before the end of the transfer window? On a fallback. <laughs> Pay off debt. <laughs> um, On Destiny Udoji. See, there you go. That, that's a way to get it out. Udoji. Yeah, no, seriously. That, that, and, and yes, it's funny, but that, that's, that's also the truth. I mean, we need, we need an injection of quality in that position group particularly on the left, Danilo can hold down the right for another year or two, certainly, but we, we need more talent in the fullback room. And that's where Juve's next, next big spend has to be because it's just, you know, it has been so criminally neglected for such a long time. And I think the last time we had a, I mean, I mean, the the last time we had a, a big signing there was obviously Cancelo. He did not work out. The time before that was Sandro. And so it's, you know, it's been a long time since they've spent significant resources on the fullback position. There was a point, I think there was a point, you know, before before Saudi's season where we went into the year with three fullbacks and then Quadrado on the roster. Like Fabio Paratici just kind of thought that you didn't need them. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's going to be, you you know, you got, you got to invest in the fullback room. I mean, I made it joke of paying off debt but i mean to be serious i mean from what i understand of uva's finances do we even have the luxury of spending all that money <laughs> i mean well, I, I i actually Sergio and i talked about this amongst many things after the game in las vegas juventus hasn't technically announced that they've picked that they've bought Kiesa's contract outright yes they right. yes they have yes they did when did that when? was uh, before the before the season ended it was uh the it was it, oh gosh it was i think it was april or may that an, that announcement did come through so i mean who who's to say that that money that delict money hasn't already gone to allocated resources i i don't know if that was just budgeted for and then the delict money came on top of it or like you said because that was what 50 60 million that we had to still give fiorentina yep Let's yeah see. it it is but yeah that that announcement came down before the before the season ended last year 
Well, never mind. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that is probably the most fiscally responsible approach to it. Uh, then again, that is the, the boring approach to it. So um, mm. I would like them to splurge it all uh, on either a fullback if that is, and if that's not on the cards. Uh, you know, the name Pau Torres was floated around, and I still think that you know I wouldn't hate to see them sign a, another center back. We already discussed it with Bonucci and his age. He's going to miss games. With Gatti, you know, he's looking good, but you still don't know. Uh, you know, if, if fullback is not at the top of the priority list, which it should, but if for whatever reason they feel comfortable going into the season with what they have, you know, it, it still feels to me like, you know, they could use another center back. And, and Pau Torres was a guy that I never really considered for Juve until the rumors started creeping up. But once they did, it just made all the sense in the world, especially with, you know, he's a guy that's, proven in big games, even if Bijarial hasn't done all that great in La Liga, but, you know, he's won Europa League with them. He had that run in the Champions League last year. He's he's a proven guy. He's still relatively young. Uh, entering and he's starting prime. for Spain, too. He's starting for Spain, exactly. Like he, he seems like a very quality player and, and playing in a team that, you know, I'm sure that he would, you know, as much as I'm sure he likes playing there, he would obviously welcome kind of like the challenge for, for Juventus. And that seems like the mold that has been most successful for them. So, you know, that that backline, quote-unquote, backline of the future uh, with Bremer and Pau Torres, that, that could look very enticing. So, you know, that's that's kind of the guy that I hope they, you know, it wasn't just Bremer or Pau Torres. I hope they, they are looking at, at both, which is unlikely. I understand that, but I, I still, it'd be, it'd be really fun to see. And feel an actual need because... Daniel Rugani is going to play big minutes this year. Like that is a guarantee with the depth we have. And I'm, you know, more lukewarm on him. Maybe it's not terrible, but it's still, I don't think it's the ideal scenario in, in any way, shape or form. All right. Last question here. Cause got to wrap things up uh, from at Alex Laurie, 2006, among the following names, Fajoli, Rovella, Moretti, who will stay at Juventus this season? Uh, well, the reports are that Rovella is about to wrap up a dry loan to Salernitana. So I well, think he's take, out. That takes the fun out of it. That takes the, some of the fun out of it. It was interest, I, I was interested by that because Rovella came out. He was wearing like number 13. Yes, he was. Like usually when you, give a, when you give a guy a number that low, you intend to keep it. And meanwhile, Fajoli had like, you know, his old, like, what was it? Like 44? 44, 44 yes. In homage to Dayan Kulusevsky. Yes, indeed. But he uh, usually when you, when a guy has a number like thirteen, you're you're not going to be sending him out on loan. But apparently, we are. Uh, maybe, but and you know, maybe in the days since the game, Fajoli made that kind of an impression to make Max think that Rovella, you know, was one of the men out. You know, it all it, it all depends on who we can get on who Juventus can get rid of too. I mean, like. You get, you know, you finally pay, pay Ramsey to go away. You get somebody to take our tour. That's two spots on the roster that you can fill with those guys. You only manage to get one of those things done. Then you only have one guy that you can put in. I, I, it's, I think it's going to go down to the wire between, between Fajoli and Miretti because obviously Miretti has the track record from last year. Fajoli is a guy that Allegri has been talking about for years when he was with the Primavera back when during Allegri's first stint and he he played really damn well and if he keeps on playing really damn well especially while Miretti's on vacation who knows and I think it also does depend on just how how long Pogba is out too because you might have to carry an extra body for the first half of the season if he's out for a long time yeah yeah that, that's that's pretty much my exact thought process if, if if it were up to me all of them and I know that's not you know likely because of the of the, of the crunch but it's just you've seen time and time again how important depth is. And now you already have this Pogba thing, you know, Weston McKinney, mostly not his fault, but he's still, you know, every season with Juve, he has had one injury that has either sapped him of, of a lot of his effect, you know, a lot of his potential, a lot of his good play, or has sidelined him completely. Uh, Locatelli got hurt last year, you know, and they're not necessarily injury-prone guys, but you know, there's no guarantee that they're going to play the whole year and, and you're going to have to rest and you're going to have to rotate. So as much depth as you can possibly carry, I think that's a good thing. And 
you know, from the reports, Fagioli seems like the guy who's most, uh, you know, in a position in he either wants to play or he wants to be let go, uh, especially because he has that leverage of, of his contract renewal. So I would bet that he's going to stick around and, and I would bet on Miretti as well sticking around. So that that probably leaves Robella as the last, as the odd man out. But still, I, I think if you can hunt, hunt, you know, hold on to him, I hope they do. I really hope they do because you just don't know how that depth is going to look at it. And every year, the last three seasons, every single season, they've had a sort of injury crunch, every single one. So, you know, the more depth you can carry, especially with those young guys, and especially maybe not Fagioli so much, but especially with Rovella and, and Miretti, I, I'm guessing those guys, if they stay, they, they'd be sort of not expecting a huge amount of minutes. So you can carry those guys and let them learn under the under the you know the more veteran guys and hopefully you know hopefully have as much that as possible because I do think that is something that they're gonna desperately need this this season as in every season going forward for as long as we have this crazy you know 50 plus uh game schedule every year. I'll give a quick answer. Um I think Miretti because uh, he's a known quantity uh with Allegri and um, Fagioli because he's a regista and we might uh, need need some cover in that position. Look at that. Quick and to the point, my man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. you know me. <laughs> thank, you, thank you all for your Twitter questions. We always appreciate them. Unfortunately, we're, I am personally running on a tight time window, so we didn't have time for a few more. But as always, if you want to send them to us, feel free to do so at Juventus Nation on Twitter or as one of our Twitter questioners did technically wasn't a Twitter question. It was sent to us on Instagram. So if you want to send them to us there, feel free to do so. Uh, follow us there all over social media. Search black and white and red all over. Uh, if you want to follow us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, same search term. If you listen to us, as I catch my breath, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, feel free to leave us a rating and a review. So for Sam, for Chucks, and for Sergio, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. 